All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the 1030 service, or as I would call the final draft of my sermon since uh, I spoke last night and then this morning, so hopefully the worst of my corny jokes are out, out of the system. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Brian really, uh, he set the bar last week. He, he did an amazing message. He's, he made some excellent jokes, and I had a couple of people tell me, Keith, you got to step up your game next week. So, so if any of my jokes this morning offend anyone and you want to write an angry email to Pastor Joe, like I said, my name is Aaron Hastings, and um, I'm just kidding. I hope Aaron's watching. <laughs> I love you, Aaron. But uh, welcome this morning. Uh, welcome to everyone watching the live stream. Uh, we're going to be in continuing Romans chapter, uh, in Romans chapter 5. Last week, Brian really did a great job giving a message on Romans chapter 4. And if you missed that, or if you've missed any of the, the sermons that you'd like to catch up on, they're all available on our website, calvarychapel316.com. And I encourage you to check it out. You can see uh, lots, lots of good content on there. But he did a great job speaking last week, um, giving the message on chapter 4, Abraham, and the example of Abraham's faith that we have. Um, and Romans, you know, it's, it's no easy, easy subject to get through. I don't know if anyone in here is like me, but, like, I read the gospel. It's, like, pretty straightforward. I read, you know, stories, the Bible stories. It's easy. But then you get to something like Romans, and you read something like this chapter here, and you're like, wow, that is so deep. That is so heavy that I didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> and I need to reread it again, <laughs> and like three more times before like, it starts to like sink in, right? Um, well, if you're anything like me, I actually take, uh, take to, to heart Second Peter chapter 3. This is what Peter uh, writes uh, about. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 15 through 16 says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, which we're going to be talking about a bit this morning, patience and salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. <laughs> so Peter had a hard time understanding, you know, Paul's writings. That makes me feel a little better when I'm up here, right? Or just when I'm reading at home. <clears throat> I'm grateful this, for this scripture and for Paul's writings. And, um, and when we do read through some of this stuff, it's important to keep in mind that this was just a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Paul didn't write this as a long, drawn-out sermon. He didn't write it with expository teaching specifically in mind. That's what we do here on Sunday mornings. That's what Calvary Chapel likes to do verse by verse through the Bible with expository teaching. Um, we like to fill in these gaps. See, there's, there's certain gaps when we look at it. The, the recipients of this letter originally would have just read it and would have had a much easier time understanding all these points that we're going to get to in a moment. But we, we have a little bit of a couple gaps. One, language gap. This might come as a shock to some, but the Bible wasn't written in English. I, I know, mind-blowing to some people, right? Um, it was translated. Um, and we have older translations like King James with the thous and the dines and the minds and doubts and the arts and stuff in there. Um, and we have other translations that help us to understand it a little easier. Um, but we have 2,000 years of a gap in between. We have a little bit of a cultural gap. You know, he was speaking to them uh, from, from a different cultural pers perspective. So when we read this, it would have been easy for them to pick up pretty much right away. But for us, maybe it's a little more difficult. So um, take that to heart as we go through it. And we're going to attempt to fill in some of these gaps as we continue to teach through this book. So, um, a quick recap of, of where we're getting up to, to this morning. Romans chapters 1 through 3 focus uh, a great deal on everyone's a sinner. And you might think, you know, all these other people are bad. But then you get to like chapter 2 and you're like, oh man, I'm no better. And then chapter 3, you know, culminates in chapter 3 verse 23 that just says flat out, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. And then it picks up in chapter 4 where Brian did last week. 
And he gave us that great example of Abraham, who we can take and we can look at some of his great success through his faith was, number one, he didn't look at his own limitations. Um, it says in verse 19 that he didn't consider his, his old man body and his wife's old woman body to be a hindrance to what God could do of giving them the promise of a son. He didn't lower his expectations. Verse 20 says that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. He handed the whole situation over to God, Verse 21, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Abraham knew that what God promised, he was able to perform. God can keep his promise no matter what it is. And verse 22, which is actually quoting Genesis 15, verse 6, says, Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And not just for him, verse 23 says, it was imputed to us who believe. Now, that's a fun word, imputed. Who's, who used the word imputed this week? Anyone? No, no one's used the word imputed? Come on, what kind of Christians are you in here? Come on, no. That's a weird word. And sometimes when we read through the Bible, this is what I'm talking about. Like, we get, there's like this gap between these, this language and what we're reading and our understanding of it. And I would love to encourage you, you know one of the best ways to understanding Scripture, if you can't understand it, and I love the New King James, that's what I study, that's, that's my bread and butter, is studying through the King James, or the New King James. But when I can't, like I need to just, uh, just to word it, reword it a different way, I go to another translation read it through. And that's a monumental tool um, to, to that we have all the access, all of us have access to, and I, I strongly encourage you. So I'm just going to read those couple of verses at the end of four, and I'm actually going to read it in the New Living Translation to make it just all the more easier to soak in so that we have a good point to jump into chapter five. So starting in verse uh, 20, chapter four, verse 20, it says, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were were not written for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. We have been made justified. And what do we say justification means? Just as if we've never sinned, right? And we are made righteous. We are made right with God. I mean, talk about totally righteous, dude. Like, that's, like, we are made righteous. <laughs> like, I, I can't emphasize that enough. And exactly where we're, we're, we're starting to pick up in chapter 5. We have been made righteous, and we have been justified just like Abraham was through his faith. And it's all about our faith. By God's grace, we are justified through our faith. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's amazing because... Abraham didn't leave the most faithful life, if you ask me. I mean, we've got the Bible stories. We can read all about Abraham. God promised Abraham a son, so what did he do? He had a son with his wife's maidservant. Like, that doesn't sound very faithful to me. Or how about, you know, the time where he was scared that Pharaoh was going to kill him because his wife was like a supermodel? And so he, like, gave Pharaoh his wife saying, oh, it's just my sister. Don't worry about it, you know? And then 25 years later, he did the same thing with King Abimelech. <laughs> like, that doesn't shout to me a man of faith. And yet, that's how we remember him by. And oh man, that's one of the most wonderful things about living under the new covenant, is it doesn't matter what we've done in the past. God doesn't see our past life. He doesn't see our failures. When you are justifi justified by your faith, that's all that matters. That's all that God sees you as. You're justified. You were made right. It doesn't matter. You're going to mess up, but your faith, that's the most important part that stands out, that sticks out. And so that's what we remember Abraham by. That's how we are also justified. And we can get into chapter 5. So not only are we made right with God, not only are we now Christians saved, but with that new life of being a Christian, there come some perks, some benefits and we're going to read through those in chapter 5. So actually, is there anyone here who would like to uh, read for us? 
We're going to go uh, verses 1 through 11. Do we have any volunteers who'd like to stand up and read aloud verses 1 through 11? Anyone? Anyone at all? All right, we got a winner over here. And not only in that, but we also have glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into the hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son how much more having been reconciled we shall be saved by his life and not only that but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we Thank you for that. That was perfect. Like, he didn't miss a single word. I can't read and narrate like that without messing up at least a couple times. Thank you for that. So benefit number one, as we jump into this first chapter, is peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't the same peace that we, we read um, through, like, you know, uh, Philippians, it talks about having that peace that surpasses understanding that feeling of peace in our lives, which is a great benefit and perk itself of having a relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit living and moving through you. We can have that peace, that feeling of peace, but this is more important than that feeling of peace. This is actual peace as opposed to war. We are at peace with God. Why do we need peace with God? Because God is at war with sinners. Before you were forgiven, God was at war with you. He was at war with me. He's at war with sinners. Now, you know, maybe to the unsaved, you might say, well, hey, I don't have anything against God. I just don't want to follow him. Like, nothing personally. Well, God takes it personally. He is at war against sinners. The Bible says sinners are at enmity with God. They are hostile toward God doesn't matter if you know if they they are actively thinking it just by sinning unrepented they're at war with God and God is at war with them they are accursed first Corinthians chapter 16 verse 22 says if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ let him be accursed and not just because of eternal damnation but because God is at war with them right now this might sound really harsh but if you don't make right with God, you are accursed in more ways than one. I'm going to read a few scriptures because I really want to drive this point home that talk about the wrath of God. And I'm actually going to read them in the King James Version, which is something I never do. But I think the King James Version really brings forth the, the wrath of God more clearly than, you know, than uh, other translations. So how about this one? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 21 through 22 says this. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation, for a fire is kindled in mine anger and shall burn unto the lowest hell and shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. Woo! <laughs> ouch. How about this one? This is one taken from Isaiah chapter 13. The day of the Lord cometh cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of its place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and in the day of his fierce anger. All right, one more. <laughs> Nahum chapter 1 verse 2. 
God is jealous and the Lord avengeth. The Lord avengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Actually, I have like three more. I could keep going. But, but you guys get the point. And that's, that's something we don't like to present up here on stage on a Sunday morning. We're, we love singing about his goodness, his goodness, his gracefulness, his love. And these things are all true. And thank God. But let's not forget the place with which we came first before that. Which makes all those things all the more amazing, all the more true, right? But for a moment, let's, let's remember just how wrathful and how righteous his wrath is towards sinners. That we deserve to be utterly destroyed to the lowest of hell. <laughs> I love that verse. I mean, it just sounds like, you know, fire and brimstone, right? What's that famous sermon, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, you know? Not quite that dark, but... This is the sum of God's attitude. He is at war with the wicked. Make no mistake about it. Um, but man, when you look at it like that, when you look at it from that perspective, and then we read we are at peace with God, whew, man, that feels like a burden being lifted. We are at peace with God. All that, that fire and brimstone and anger and wrath completely gone from us, not a part of our lives. We don't have to worry about that at all. We are at peace with God. And we could just end there and go forth for this week and just meditate and think about that, that we are at peace with God. And that would be amazing. But there's more. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 22 says this, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated, by him, <clears throat> separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Whew. We're at peace with God. We are holy and blameless without a single fault. It's pretty good because I have a lot of faults, but God sees me without a single fault, blameless and holy, and that's just truly, truly amazing through the work of Christ on the cross. Fully accomplished that peace with God. Forever holy. So remember that the next time the enemy comes with you and wants to count doubt on your salvation, you are at peace with God. We're going to talk about that uh, a few times this morning. I really want that to be the overall message of this morning, is that we have salvation. And the enemy wants to make us doubt that, but don't let him make you doubt that. We are saved. Benefit number two, we have access to God. Verse two says, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This word access, that's a really important word. Does anyone in here have access to the president of the United States? Anyone? No, no one, no one has access. Maybe, maybe one of us might know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy who has access to the president of the United States, but that's very rare, right? Not a lot of people have access to the, to the president. Um, not anyone has access to a king. Not anyone can walk into the throne room, especially um, to, to the people he's writing to. This would have been mind-blowing. To the, the Jewish members of this church, their whole, the whole history of God's people had very limited access to God. So we remember... You know, the way God set up the tabernacle, which was then later, you know, turned into the temple, right? The way God set it up is if you were a Gentile, you had a little space that you could get close, you could get near the, the, the temple. If you were a Jewish woman, you could get even closer to the temple. You had a little designated spot where you could be. If you were a Jewish male, you could get right up to the doorstep. You were like right there, right outside of the temple. If you were a priest, you could minister inside the temple in the area. I couldn't do that. You know why? 
there's limitations the priests could have. One of them is you can have you can't have bald spots. <laughs> I'm disqualified. I couldn't even be in the temple that close. Yeah, I know you all feel sorry for me. Um, and only the high priest could once a year even dare to set foot into the holiest of holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat, where God's presence would come down and dwell in that place. And the story goes that the high priest would even have a rope tied to his ankle so that if the jingly, jingly things on his rope stopped making noises because he dropped down dead in the presence of God, the other priests could pull him out from behind the curtain. That's the limited access I'm talking about. But Matthew chapter 27 says that when Jesus died on the cross, the moment he died, the veil between the holiest of holies and the rest of us was torn from top to bottom. And now we have that access between, to, to God. And again, this would have been mind-blowing to the Jews, uh, specifically. They were like, this whole history, you know, hundreds, thousands of years of, of limited access to God, and now we, we take it for granted sometimes, don't we? Yeah, I know, the Holy Spirit lives in me, uh, you know, lives and dwells inside me. You know, uh, same old, same old. But, like, we need to take a moment to step back and be like, wow, that is amazing. What a privilege it is that he lives inside of us, and we can enter into that throne of grace every day, every moment. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come to the throne of grace any moment of the day and obtain new mercies and grace in our times of need. Benefit number three, verse three. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Who's excited about this one? This is a... What a benefit. Number three, we get to glory in tribulation. I didn't hear any hallelujahs or amens. <laughs> I don't glory through tribulations. What are we talking? I endure tribulations. I get through tribulations. I don't usually glory through tribulations, right? That seems kind of crazy. But it's true. We can glory through tribulations and have hope. Because tribulations produces Patience. Patience is a, a better translation than just perseverance. So I'll say patience. Tribulation produces patience. Patience produces character and character hope. Um, I, I look back at my my you know previous years of tribulations and trials I go through. I, I can just look back, say 15 years ago, and look at those big moments in my life that just brought me to my knees. Those big trials of life that I went through. I look at those things now, and I'm like. <laughs> that was so easy. Oh man, I wish today's trials were that easy. Oh my goodness, that would be walking the park. And now I look at the trials I go through now, I'm like, oh man, if I experienced back then what I'm experiencing now, it would have destroyed me. God knows how much we can handle, and He's making us better for it. Um, I have hope now. And if we look at this, you know, tri uh, uh, tribulation, you know, produces patience, which produces character, which produces hope, we could kind of go backwards through that. And I can say, I have hope because the character God has, has created in me, has, he's brought me to a new standing. I'm a new character in him. Today, I have hope because of the faithfulness he's proven in the past, my past tribulations. He's produced patience in my life to allow me to have the character of hope. And it's not, not anything, you know, through my own power, it's through his faithfulness that I now have hope. And now, so this tribulation that I go through now, I'm like, oof, all right, here we go. Like, I can't wait to see what God brings out of this, you know? And we have, we have meaning behind our trials and tribulations. You know, the rest of the world experiences trials. They just don't get anything to show for it at the end. They're not productive. We at least get something out of it. We're a better person. We have a new character. We have a new understanding of hope. And it's because tribulation produces patience, or produces character, which produces hope. It's kind of like Star Wars with Yoda. You know I had to bring up Star Wars at some point in my message, right? You know when Yoda says, fear is the path to the dark side, fear leads to anger, 
Anger leads to, to hate. Hate leads to suffering. That's totally true because of what happened to Anakin Skywalker. He was a fearful young man who, you know, led to hate and anger, and he made a lot of people suffer as Darth Vader, right? So it's the same sort of thought process. Fear to anger to hate to suffering. We get trials, which brings patience and character and hope, you know? And you got through, has anyone ever prayed for patience? Like, you know, maybe a few of us in here. Why would we be surprised if, I mean, how, how else do you get patience by having to be patient through something, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis has a great quote. I didn't write it down. I should have. Um, but he, he has this great quote about, you know, you, you, don't, you don't learn how strong the wind is unless you brace against the wind. You don't learn how, how, uh, how tough the German army is unless you fight it. You know, he, it goes on to say, just like, we don't know our strength unless our strength is tested. You know, so don't be surprised when God tests your, your strength because he knows you're going to come out the other side and you're going to be like, hey, I made it through. I guess I am stronger than I thought. Take that, enemy, you know, when the enemy wants to cause doubt in our lives. Don't doubt the character God has given you and the hope that's going on in your life. Um, and this is important. This is kind of like benefit number four, or really kind of like benefit three and a half, this, this hope through the trials. Because um, this isn't just any hope. This isn't, this isn't the same kind of hope, like the hopeful, like I'm hopeful that that pair of pants I've been hanging on to for 10 years, I'll fit in that pair of pants one day in the future again. It's not going to happen. I just need to give them away. It's not that kind of hope. We're talking about a certain hope, a hope we have with, uh, with, that we can be assured in. Um, one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 13, verse 12, that says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the, the promise comes, it's a wellspring of life. When that promise comes to us, oh man, it gives us life. You know, it just puts a bounce in our step. But when our hope is crushed, ugh, it brings us down, right? Um, I'll share what, what's been going in our, on in our lives uh, recently is we, uh, we've had some home renovations going on. Um, we, we removed our kitchen, we're, we're redoing that, um, and we had a, the delivery scheduled for Thursday, two weeks ago, for our new cabinets to come in. So ripped out the kitchen, ready to put these in in two days, and then uh, the company called us, said, there's been a delivery problem, you're not going to get your delivery till the next week. Apparently they only deliver on Thursdays, so. Okay, so instead of three days of camping out in our own house, Try living without your kitchen sink for like two days. That's like, that'll be a fun little test, by the way. Um, so then we're like, okay, seven more days, we can deal with this. So seven more days pass and it's Thursday, just like three days ago. The delivery truck finally comes at like 8.30 at night and the guys back the truck up to our door. They pull out box one, box two, box three. They pull out like, like five shelves. And like, here you go, here's your kitchen. And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> there should be a whole lot more. Um, and they're like, well, there's nothing we can do. You know, maybe next week your kitchen will come. <laughs> and so our hope was dashed. And that's why we went to last night's service with all the food that they have there. <laughs> you guys, should, I've heard legends about how wonderful the food is at the Saturday night service, and I didn't believe it until I saw it. It was impressive, folks. You guys should go. And there's really nice people there, too, you know? <laughs> but we were very grateful for the food spread last night. But I'll tell you what, that was a very real lesson in my life recently of hope. You know, not putting your hope in, in people in orders of kitchen system, you know, cabinet system. Um, so this is a real hope. This is a hope that I can 100% believe in and not be fearful that it won't come to be. This hope from experience that because the Lord was faithful in the last tribulation, he's going to be faithful in the next one. Even if I'm struggling through it, I know I have hope. <laughs> Benefit number five in verse five. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So this hope doesn't disappoint for the two reasons of the fact that God is pouring out his love on us and he's pouring it out through his Holy Spirit. Notice the word pour. He didn't use the word trickle. 
God's trickling out his love on us. No, he is pouring it on us. And the way to prove that he's pouring, on it, pouring it onto us is through his Holy Spirit. He's given us the fullness of his love to be inside of our hearts, living and dwelling inside of us. Pour it out. Now, sometimes it's hard for us to feel that love, right? There's, there's some, some days I'm like, I don't feel the love being poured on me. Did the did the drain the drain get clogged or something? Like what's the water get shut off? No, that, that love is always there. It's always pouring on me. Sometimes I ha- have a hard time feeling it. Sometimes I have a hard time accepting it. Sometimes, if I'm being honest with myself, I'm probably like blocking it. Maybe I'm putting an umbrella up. Like no, I don't even want that right now. Um, maybe there's some things. I haven't realized that I've put in the way of receiving that love, right? Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 says that everyone who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit. We have this love pouring on us in our lives. But he also says in chapter 8, verses 4 through 5, that not every Christian walks in the Spirit. So we need to be walking in the Spirit. We need to be um, feeding this relationship. Um, You know, I bring up the example of marriage, you know. If I don't spend time with my wife and then I complain about not feeling loved, like that's not her fault. If I complain about not feeling loved with God and I'm not actually spending time, you know, talking to him or or reading his word, it's not God's fault. It's my fault that I put up barriers, right? Or if we're willfully sinning, you know, in other areas of our life, you know. What, what we're getting at through this whole thing is that we are saved. And it doesn't matter what sins we commit afterwards. We can still walk in assure, assured of our salvation. Not that we should sin that grace may abound, you know, sin more that grace may abound. But we know we're protected. But all our sins, it doesn't help with our walk with God. We could live miserable sad lives and still be saved but if you want to feel uh, you want to experience a life where you're experiencing his fullness of his love then we should be walking in the spirit so god wants us to experience this love that he's pouring out through us that he's communicating through the holy spirit living in our lives and while we were still sinners verse six it says in due time christ died for the ungodly when when there for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ didn't rescue us when we were strong. He didn't rescue us when things were going good. He rescued us when we were weak, without strength. Have you ever felt like you just had a week that, or a day that just beat you up, and you feel weak, and like you can barely do anything, and you're just desperate? God can use that. God can meet you where you're at. He doesn't need your strength. To minister to you it's his power his love his holy spirit that can work in your life verse 7 says for scarcely for a righteous man will one die yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but god demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners christ died for us while we were still sinners he died for us When we were stinking, smelling, messing up, horrible, rotten, deserving of wrath, God died for us. How much more is he going to work in our lives now that we're saved and we're his kids and we want that relationship with him? He died for us when we didn't have a relationship with him. You think he's going to give up on us now and scold us and be mad at us now that we're forgiven? Oh, come on. It says, scarcely for a righteous man would one die. I mean, I know without a shadow of doubt, if, God forbid, someone pointed a gun at my wife and kids, I would dive in front of that bullet. Wouldn't even think about it. It would just be a a jerk reaction. I would jump in front of that. Would I do that for a stranger? How about, would I do it for someone I don't even like? (laughs) Or someone I know doesn't like me? This might come as a surprise to you, but I don't have perfect relationships with everyone in my life. <laughs> There's some people that I would like, yeah, go ahead. There's, you know, I, yeah, that sounds horrible. <laughs> See, that's how I, I need his grace too. 
But you know, those who've served in our armed forces or in our, our you know, rescue services, you know this, this well of putting your life on the line for someone else who does not deserve it. God did that for us when we were stinking, sinful sinners. How much more is he going to work in our lives now that we're saved? The enemy wants us to doubt our salvation. He wants us to doubt saying, you know what? Yeah, I know you gave your life to Christ, but boy, you messed up a lot since then. So that, that contract's void. It's out of there. You messed it up. That's a void contract. And it's just simply not true. It says in verse 9, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. So as we uh, close out our service this morning, I'll go ahead and invite the band back up. I want everyone to know this. We are reconciled to God. If you've asked God to forgive you of your sins and come into your life, you are reconciled. Again, the enemy wants us to doubt these things, and that's why, that's why we have the full armor of God. And what's the helmet for? What's the helmet of salvation? Why do you think we need the helmet of salvation? Do you think just because it makes a good accessory to the sword and the shield? We need the helmet of salvation because the enemy is going to get us to try and doubt our salvation. We have the, the shield of faith. And why do we have the shield of faith? To block those fiery darts that the enemy is slinging at us, right? He's actively trying to bring us down. And the sword of the, and the belt of, you know, we have all these, these weapons and armor at the ready, when Jesus faced the temptations in the desert, what did he do? He quoted scripture. You know, he knew the truths so that when he was met with doubts and, and temptation and trials, he knew what the word of God says. And that's what we need to do. We need to have these scriptures in our hearts and have this, this, this readiness. So when the enemy comes and he says, ah, you're not saved, you can say, yeah, I am. You take it up with God. I'm reconciled, y'all. It doesn't matter how much I screw up. If you have genuinely put your trust in God, if you have genuinely asked him to forgive you of your sins, they are forgiven with a genuine heart. Now, the Bible does say in, in 1 John that he writes of those who were who were with us who have departed and left the faith. And he says that they were never one of us because if they were, they wouldn't have left of us. Left us. I do think it's true that there are some people who say, yes, God, save me. I want to be a Christian who never really mean it. And then they leave. And I don't think they ever really had a relationship with, with God. So I think in some cases, yes, some people can walk away from the faith. But I also believe that nowhere else does it say in the Bible that you can lose your salvation. If you have at one time in your life genuinely asked God to forgive you of your sins, he sends his Holy Spirit in our failures. Do you think the Holy Spirit's going to change his mind and, and say, ah, this isn't working out, I'm getting out, and he's going to leave? That's, that's an attack on the whole trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't doubt the power of God active in your life. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14 says this, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory.
God's put his down payment on you. That might not mean much to the company I got my kitchen from. <laughs> but that means everything to God. He's given you his Holy Spirit, his seal. That seal cannot be broken. Man, if it could, if my doubt, if my sin could change my salvation, I will have lost my salvation 20 times already before I got my coffee this morning. <laughs> Why do we put our trust in God that he's powerful to save us, but not powerful enough to sustain us? Why do we doubt that? Because that's what the enemy wants in our lives. Now, I do, I do think there are some Christians who are just going to live some miserable lives, just sinning, 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 running away from God. And yet they can still be saved. And I, I can't judge hearts. I can't, I can't say that. I can't say one way or the other. But I do know I have the hope of what the scripture tells me. And so I'd love to encourage you this morning, do not give up hope on, on friends and loved ones, family, and people in your life who have seemingly walked away from the Lord. Don't you dare give up hope on them, because God hasn't. He hasn't, given hope, he hasn't given hope up on me, or you, or anyone. He's so much more powerful than we are. His Holy Spirit is living and dwelling inside of us. And I know I've said that a dozen times this morning, and I want to say it a dozen times more before we leave. Because I don't want anyone to leave here doubting the power of God. And I don't know if there's anyone in here who's not given their hearts to God. If, if you're here this morning or if you're watching on the live stream and and you don't have this security of salvation, I'd pray that this morning you make that decision to be forgiven, to have the Holy Spirit come and live inside of you, to have this peace, this joy, this love, this security of knowing you're going to spend eternity with God. So maybe as we close out and we pray with every head bowed, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So if there's anyone here this morning who wants to make that decision for the first time this morning, if you just lift your hand so I could see and I would know. God bless you. Anyone else who wants to lift your hand? If you're on the live stream, you can make that decision. Just type in the, the, the chat, I'm making that decision to follow Christ this morning. Get a Bible, get a new believers pack. We have them here at the front. If anyone wants prayer afterwards, I encourage you to come up to be prayed for. But I want to leave you with this, that no point since the moment that you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, at no point have you been alone. At no point have you been helpless. Though you might have felt helpless from time to time, at no point have we been helpless. That Holy Spirit has been with us. This absolute assurance that you are His and His presence is with you. When you gave your life to Christ, if you did it this morning, you've gotten the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Not just part of it. Not just 25%. There's no next steps, you know, goals you have to obtain to get the whole thing. You've got the whole dose of the Holy Spirit. You're getting everything you're ever going to get. The fullness of His presence in your life. And His Holy Spirit is the seal of your salvation. And when God comes to collect his kids to take us home to heaven, he's not going to be separating out the, the Baptists from the Protestants, from the whatever you call Calvary Chapel people. He's not going to be separating out those with tattoos versus those who don't have tattoos. He's not going to be separating out those who listen to secular music versus those who 
who don't listen to secular music. He's coming for those who have the seal of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that as we go our separate ways this week, God, that you would give your people boldness and peace, knowing that they are sealed, and no matter what the enemy would throw at them, no matter what mud would be slung at them, God, that they would not for one moment doubt the security of their salvation, knowing that our, our salvation, our eternity doesn't rest on our, our failures to follow you and all our, our problems and the ways we mess up, God. You are so much more faithful and you love us so much more than we could ever comprehend, God. Help us to go forth boldly, being a light in the world, being the salt of the earth. God, I pray that you give every person here in this room an opportunity to share the gospel to someone this week, to invite a friend or a family member to our services next week, to spread this gospel, this good news, God. Empower your people, I pray. And so as we go our separate ways, I do pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you this week and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.
still be my vision. Still be my vision. Oh, ruler of all. Sing, oh God. And oh God, be my everything. Be my delight. Be Jesus, my glory, my soul satisfied. Oh God. King of heaven. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, Whatever befalls, still be my vision, O ruler of all. Still be, O still be my vision, O Peace.